You're listening to an episode of the Break the Cycle podcast on the SVTV network. Anyone who knows me knows my love for martial arts. They also know that I look at combat sports, tactical combat systems and traditional martial arts as one part of a larger whole. And in my exploration into this, I found a man who pushed the envelope to a whole new level. Paulo Rubio, also known as GN, started Funka Tactical and Aperture Fight Focused, two YouTube channels with the mission to keep martial arts and martial artists honest. And God knows we need that. And as someone exploring the same concepts, I consider the man a kindred spirit. Paolo was kind enough to talk to me about this, and I would like to share this conversation with you. I hope you enjoy it, and if you'd like to talk, you know where to find me. Take care. There we go. Awesome. We're live. Not live. We're recording. <laughs> Should I screw that up? We can't start again. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you very much. Thank you. I was... I'm so glad you actually agreed to do this because I was wanting to bring you on the show for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, before I before I begin geeking out with you, I am going to introduce you to whoever's going to listen to this. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I have Paolo Rubio with me. He started Funker Tactical. He started Aperture Fight Focus. Uh, two channels that I looked at and I just went, holy shit, I need to get on this. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, uh, we, we tend to geek out on martial arts. He usually kicks ass, and I observe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I get my ass kicked more than I kick, but yeah. That's pretty good, <laughs> pretty good introduction, man. Thank you. How'd you, how'd you get into this? How'd you, how did Funker Tactical start, and then how did it become uh, a Perchified Focus? Um, well, basically... I, Wow, I don't know how far back to take it. I touched my first camera when I was 11 years old and I never let go since. Uh-huh. And from there, we can fast forward. Right? Yeah. Um, basically, I'd been doing a bunch of video work across uh, consumer electronics, fashion, and gaming, just like all the cool stuff with amazing perks. I was getting flown all over the world, hanging out with like Hideo Kojima, the guy who made um metal gear solid i'm like at nintendo pressers i'm going to ces right and uh and then i decided to you know do something stupid and like work with fighters and martial artists you know (laughs) what a stupid fucking move i was doing some cool shit making good money getting the nice perks and now like what's my perk like you know boxing gloves but anyway, how it all started was um, I did a series of uh, PTSD videos, right. uh, post-traumatic stress disorder for combat veterans in Canada. And that, that video happened by chance. You know, I saw one of my friend's husbands um, was struggling through uh, combat-induced post-traumatic stress after his tour in Afghanistan. And I thought I'd just... I would take the video skills that I've been crafting and honing and use it to work for him because he was trying to start a business. Long story short, that one moment launched what ended up being Canada's like biggest um, post-traumatic stress disorder awareness and intervention campaign. I was based for a year of my life, maybe no, about two years of my life. 
I was being deployed all around the country to meet these veterans who were ready to talk about what caused their trauma and how it changed their lives. So that's how it started. That's really how it started. But um, yeah, and because of my association with those people in, in that world, I got kind of slowly dragged into the tactical side of things. Okay. Ready, ready for more? And then I fucking started to hate the tactical side of things. Because when I first came into it, everybody was talking about, oh, it's a tight-knit community. Everyone looks out for one another. We're all in this together. I go in and I'm like, you fucking liars. <laughs> Where's this tight-knit community? Everyone's cutthroat. Everyone's talking shit about everybody else. People are copying each other's ideas and stealing patents. And I was like, this is stupid. This, like the tactical industry is dumb. It's, I fucking hate it. Um, I hate it. And I'll tell it to their face, right? Because I develop real friendships with real people in, in mm-hmm. that industry. And they hate the same shit I do. It's just that this facade is like, it's so big and glowing. Nobody ever really penetrates through that shit. So I was like, you know what? <clears throat> Ideas, fresh ideas are not welcome in tactical communities. They are just not welcome. This is how you pull the trigger. And this is how you grip your firearm. This is how you, you know, yeah. this is how you do everything, right? This, it's done. There's no evolution left. And when people try to evolve, they get ridiculed. So I thought, hey, you know what? There's more options in martial arts. There's more than one way to punch and that countless ways to kick, this will be a great community for me to play. Boy, was I fucking wrong. It's the same bullshit. It's the same bullshit. It's the same bullshit. Martial artists, defensive tactics instructors, tacticians, they're all like, bah, 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 you suck. Oh, you don't, you don't go hard sparring. Oh, yeah, but you do forms and katas. And it's the same. They're the same fucking people who propose they have found the way and are more than willing to tell everybody else that they're not going the right way. So it's the same. It's the same fucking people. So I'm like, what the fuck? This sucks. I'm going to get into like fishing soon or like floral design. But like (laughs) dealing with these alpha males is kind of exhausting, man. Oh, man. (laughs) That's a lot, right? I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, no, it's perfect. Because I've noticed the same thing, at least in... uh... So for me, the very clear divide has always been uh, mixed martial artists, traditional martial artists, because that mm-hmm. that that yep. clash has just been there for years, ever yeah. since the first UFC. Because everyone just goes, yeah. "Oh, your style is useless because you didn't fight in the octagon or something <clears throat> like that." Yeah. And um, what I began to notice was, so when your videos came out, because I had seen the first couple of them. I think the first one I saw was with Doug Makaida. Then I saw it mm-hmm. with Instructor Zero. Then I saw it with the others, uh, Ryan Hoover and everyone else. And I was just like, wow, they're talking about shit that a lot of people don't talk about. Yeah. Specifically in our community. Because when I say specifically our community, I mean the Filipino martial arts community. Yeah. I mean the traditional martial arts community. Because everyone yeah. is just like, I'm the, I'm the more badass one because I've got a knife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting to see uh, what came out of that? Because mm. after those, after the Funker Tactical videos, I began to see you move into more of the aperture fight focus side. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons for that, to be honest, was there was a, a real business reason for that, is that nobody really wanted to, you know, sponsor firearms content. It was just not a thing that people did, right? It's mm-hmm. very, even, even now, only certain subsections of big companies are willing to, to touch um, the firearms community. Um, Nissan and and Toyota, like these big companies are still at these gun shows, you know, promoting big, heavy, whatever. Um, So I thought, I also thought, you know what? Everyone loves martial arts. Everyone does martial arts. And first of all, that's not even true. Not everyone does, but fucking like 1% of the population ever did martial arts. So I was way off in my calculation there. (laughs) What am I trying to do trying to make money in these fucking silly that's why that's why i must i gotta love it because it's it's not as lucrative as people think it is but i live a pretty blessed existence getting to you know ask questions and things but thank you very much first of all for watching those videos i i I never get tired of hearing about how much funker tactical really inspired um people and and inspired people to also create content that were meaningful and that were yeah, but we're scrutinizing in a real way and actually testing things out. So thank you for that. How do you, um, how do I put this? How do you kind of get into the, uh, how do you start picking a martial art for yourself? Because earlier when I saw you, the previous videos, I yeah. mostly saw you behind the camera or in front of yeah. the camera interviewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never saw you going head to head, so to yes. speak, with yeah. say Sal or with uh yeah. Jared <laughs> or, or, yeah. or with Tim Kennedy. How'd that come about? Um short answer is Jared Wehungi. Like he yeah. was really the guy who inspired me to go um train Filipino martial arts. Now, here's why this is kind of important, is that prior to me working with Jared, I'd worked with Doug for a number of years. Mm-hmm. He didn't inspire me to take up Filipino martial arts. Despite him being a Filipino, mm-hmm. being at the top of the influencer game when it comes to FMA, didn't inspire me to, to do it. I was like, eh, I don't know. I'm pretty happy behind the camera. What is, the, what is this? It looks great but I could never pull that off. That is not accessible to me. Right. Right. Um, so, but that's only like a small element of it. I also evolved as a human being. I progressed years past. I got more curious. I got more information intake, but Jared really was the one who inspired me to take up Filipino martial arts because of, um, because of the, really the community that he was able to create. I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, everyone's cool here. Um, and in fact, there was a moment when I was in Bahol for the first time in, in the Philippines, when I had my first full contact stick fight without any training, really, <laughs> I just jumped in and I was like, I did pretty good. Like I hit a world champion. I hit a Lakan Guru or whatever it is. I fucking hit him. He destroyed me, but I hit him. I hit him. Yeah. And I think that was one of those eye openers that were like, if I can do that with what I did, imagine what I can do with a little bit more focus. And that's why I, that's really why I picked Pachiti Tersha also. Mm-hmm. 
it's because like you do Piquiti Tosha, yeah? Yeah. 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 So it's fucking great. Like, of course, there's the artistic side of it, and then there's the more practical side of it, which I get in a lot of trouble for pointing out which is which sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh man. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. Right? But it's, it's, and it always boils down to the instructor. Because whenever I write a point that is controversial, people are so proud to say, we have that in our system too. We do that too. They're so proud to say it once I've said it. And it's like, you guys could have been doing this the whole time. You know, you could have been filming and showing this weird thing that you do, but there's, they didn't, I don't know, for one reason or another, maybe they didn't want to, maybe it wasn't their intention. Maybe it was against the rules. Maybe it was an insecurity thing. They didn't want to break the mold and sort of, you know, present some sort of a, um, a disrespectful tone because you know we're all just supposed to do the thing that we're told to do right like that's fma no 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 no. it's it's true you don't know shit i don't know shit gm knows everything (laughs) and therefore we cannot evolve um i'm pretty sure grandmaster pogi would disagree (laughs) yeah right like they they (laughs) yeah gm pogi man that dude is legit he's my uncle by the way i know you don't know him GM Pogi is the system founder of, uh, his system is called Filipino Arnis Kali Eskrima, acronym being F-A-K-E, faith. It's a fake uh, system. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true, you know. I, I, I just, I wanted to liberate the, be, the beginner who had an analytical mind right. to be able to expedite and take accountability for their own growth and progress. <laughs> like, it's not like we're children, you know. We come to martial arts with already a wealth of experiences. Like, I, you know, if a medical doctor came into Pikiti Tersha and applied that same kind of um, dedication and discipline to study with application, that guy's going to fucking destroy everybody. Yeah. You know? And he's going to be able to make discoveries that, dare I say, maybe somebody who's been doing it for 20 years will never, ever get to make because Absolutely. they just don't. They just don't view it from that way. So, no, yeah. even even with me, I think um, so. I've been doing picky uh, picky for a while, but I've always been more towards the striking side of things. Mm-hmm. I think that happened by evolution because I started with the uh, I started with Kali. I trained in it. I I stuck to my drills, mm-hmm. even though I was told you need to discover things on your own as well. You can't just show up to class and expect it to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that closed off mind of what do you do? How do you train by yourself? I think, that, and that happens to be something that's, that just amplified now. Cause this was, the, I think this was our struggle two years ago. Mm-hmm. Now it's become a reality where you're just yeah. like, okay, how do you train alone? And I don't think anyone anyone prepared us for that. So when I got into Kali and I moved into, say, maybe Ajit Kundo, mm-hmm. which, okay, openly saying, fanboy, major fanboy. Oh, I love JKD. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna question you about that one too. <laughs> Please do. Um, that, discovery of, uh, that discovery of the practical side of martial arts, mm-hmm. how did you, how'd you 
kind of go into into that because Pikitasha to me initially was I had heard about transfer technology I'd seen some of it I still train in it but the applicability in certain areas yeah. is something that works for a lot of people there are people who are able to make it work yeah but not me how did you get into that whole side of okay how do i make this work did you do a process of elimination did you get into the whole drill side no, of it did you say no i i, I no that was the intention from the beginning mm-hmm. my intention from the beginning was to just find what's you know practical repeatable high probability gross motor tactics that i can employ cuz that remember i was hanging out with some tacticians whose job it is was just to kill bad people very very quickly and get the fuck out of there so yeah. my mentality has always been when i came into fma show me the good shit show me the stuff that i can do and that i can learn in 4 hours or less train on my own or with a training partner and um and continue to develop i found those things quickly mm-hmm. it's fucking it's, there's nothing to it man If you think about a mili- you know first of all military knife training I mean come on it is hand to hand weaponized training within the scope of military skill acquisition is so low on the priority list that it's hardly ever even given time mm-hmm. we forget that we're in this bubble right yeah. we see cool you see the cool oh fuck there's a hundred of them doing wow and they're wearing camo pants and it's like that highlight clip was probably all the training that they did it's so low in the priority list bro right. it's so low okay um and so given that to be an effective instructor you have to be able to pass on functionally retainable skill sets in a short amount of time right and a lot of filipino martial arts instructors like shit the bed when it comes to when i mean fma is being explored right and so these instructors get invited to train this unit and they're like holy shit fucking walking in there with the biggest boner ever and then they try to teach them something that is going to take somebody like months weeks or years to perfect mm-hmm. and they're like dude never gets invited again so when you ask me like how did i get into this journey it started with that journey and here's the cool thing because i focused on that i got it very very quickly and it was boring it's fucking boring i don't want to do that shit and it sucks it really sucks you know to test out those things all on a second hey little humans i want a podcast shut up <laughs> <laughs> fucking kids. I still don't know why I made them. I'm just I don't know. My kids totally know who who I am. Uh, I love them. Oh yeah, um, I saw the videos. They're amazing. Yeah, that dude with his sabaya is crazy. Anyway, um fuck, I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, I found the practical the practical shit really really quickly mm-hmm. and it's boring and it sucks and it hurts and it spikes my anxiety and I'm like, fuck this. And that's when I found the art and how these two things correlate. And for me, we can all agree these skills are perishable. If you yeah. don't continue to train them, they disappear. Just like any other kinetic skill, right? They go away. 
And so here I was with this equation, okay, effective and simplicity here, but this is the shit that works, but it sucks to acquire those skills and it sucks to maintain those skills. So the art side is really, art for me is a big part of it, other than um, self-expression, is that it is the greatest tool we have in the mitigation of the corruption of these practical skill sets. Mm -hmm. These skill sets that we've acquired through hard training and sparring, they will disappear if we don't continue to do them. That's right. a natural progression. But if we do art, it slows down the process of that degradation right. so that I can right. renew that once a year, twice a year, I'll go fucking hard. I mean, recently it's been more than that just because all of a sudden everybody wants to fight me. Like everyone like wants to fight me. I'm like, Dude, how many people have you pissed off? <laughs> no, no, no. They want to, um, not like that. Not like that. They really, no, they I want figured. To, yeah. yeah, they want to just, because they see this, I mean, I'm sure you want to spar me, right? Like, that would be so much fun. Because I, I kind of present this. I've never yeah, seen part. Ever. I, you know, ever since that first stick fight, I have ushered countless people on their first sparring matches. Because mm -hmm. I'm non-threatening. They have a trust that I'm going to regulate my energy. Because even like, you know, some really high-level people, when you put a stick in their hand, they cannot regulate their energy. It's so primal, man. It's like, <laughs> they can't. You hit them and they're like, oh. their ego takes over and it's like, oh, I'm going to hit you four times really, really hard. I just don't do that. I, I, I'll take the hits yeah. so that the person that I'm ushering into this amazing world is, comes out of it going, feeling like I did the first time. Like, fuck, yeah. I, I can do this shit without the process that I put myself through, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So do you, think that I mean, is, do you think that ego has kind of stifled a lot of people from A coming into martial arts, B training? Yeah, I think um I think a fragile ego and insecurity is the number one lead generator for martial arts, right? Like we go into martial arts because we are fearful, we don't feel good enough, we don't feel strong enough, we were bullied. That's why we get into it. And then we stay with it. Um, because it gives us this um, perception that we have the power to balance things, to bring justice, right? To protect our loved ones. It's like this like massive superhero complex. <laughs> and then when people realize that, the, you know, to really be able to do this stuff requires work. And I, I do not want to preach because I am all about lazy training. I am finding the easiest, laziest way to proficiency as I can. Uh -huh. I don't go to class, bro. I don't, I don't go to regular FMA classes. I don't even have a Filipino martial arts instructor. Right. I don't, right? Like I meet all these great people and they share with me some deep insights, but they do that to other people. It's just that other people don't necessarily take that gem and go, Wait a minute, is this bullshit? You know, look Jared Mihungi right in the face and GM Bobby and Tuhan Phillip and Dan Inasanto and Leo Guy and, and take that bit of knowledge that they give you. Look them in the face and go, is this really what you say it is? Because yeah. I'm going to find out anyway. You know, 
-hmm. Nobody wants to necessarily do that because it's like, because we go into martial arts with insecurities and a lack of confidence, the yang of that yang is that here is this person who's willing to guide you through that, who's willing to help you grow. And so immediately you're not empowered to ask questions. Immediately you're not allowed to ask daddy why I got to eat broccoli, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an unhealthy balance so often, right? Yeah. And people like glorify and put on a pedestal these masters. But I always saw it as <laughs> you're getting paid for a service to make me good at something. So do a good job at it, please. You know, and that's kind of, ah, people are like, oh, did you just say that? Like, you just say that about the man I love and I adore that I'm actually his boss because <laughs> I'm paying him. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's it. And if you want to be friends with him, you have to level the playing field right off the bat. They need to respect you right off the bat and not treat you like a child. And so that's what I did. Damn. How do you mean Mark Medeiros? Like, uh, so the shift from FMA to, uh, to JK, I remember you and I having a conversation about JKD. So from, from FMA or JKD to now boxing, how, how'd that progression go? Um, naturally and, and by, uh, through my exploration of Aperture, you know, uh, really for me currently, Aperture is just, the question I ask about Aperture Fight Focus is, is this too FMA? Am I, am I, is it too much? It is too much. There's too much FMA in Aperture Fight Focus. So I branch out. I have to. And, you know, I'm going to go to a Northern Karate class um, here, which is apparently world class. I'm going to take Sabat. Um, Toronto is an incredible resource for world class martial artists. And Mark Midieros. I'm going to make a claim. He's the best JKD practitioner I've ever met. Ever, ever, ever. Because this oh. dude does not give a fuck. Like, <laughs> he's actually doing JKD. Like, he's doing it. He wrestles. He does jujitsu. He does Muay Thai. And he does all of these. And boxing, he does all of these things at the highest level he can find where he is. Right? He may not have all the trophies but he's seeking the highest level of competition where he is and that's like the best you can do you know this guy is like he's he's sparring partners for you know regional boxing champions right like Amazing. he is he is on right now well not right now but before this whole covid thing uh he and the guys of combat arts in mississauga by the way shout out to that group of people they were about to start their training camp because, uh, you know, there's a couple of them that also want to be dog brothers. Oh, man. But, 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 in, but in combat arts, you have, like, almost founding members of dog brothers teaching there. And you have, like, two members already. Like, two or I think one or two full-fledged dog brothers where they train. And these are the guys that I love to fucking spar with, you know, mm -hmm. because they're not just bringing Pikiti Tertia into the mix. Like one time I sparred Mark and I was like, yo, can you just, I've never seen anyone try to kick me during a stick fight. Can you just try your best to just kick me um, without, you know, putting too much into it? And so that's what we did. 
now I have some baseline foundation for when I go into a match where kicking is allowed, at least I have some experience. Mm-hmm. It's pretty useless because I haven't done it since then and, you know, perishability and all that. But this is what we do in Toronto, man. And this is the group of guys that I, I'm cultivating here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not cultivating skills, but just cultivating this environment of, hey, we don't need to be dickheads to one another. Um, we can have multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary gatherings. And it doesn't need to always be about, you know, winning the trophy. Which, by the way, I did win the trophy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm the 2019, like, knife fighting champion against some really rough fucking dudes, like a pro Muay Thai fighter. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, 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 but this was, the, the tournament happened like two weeks after I came back from um, the PTTA5 training camp. And I learned just a whole ton of shit from like Jason Jones and Jared and Tuhan Phillip and Kit and Patch. And they yeah. were just like, like giving me so much info. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this thing happened. I was like, fucking I took it against dudes who've been training FMA and uh, professional combat sports mm-hmm. fucking smoked them I mean that's a bit of an embellishment each one of those fights could have gone either way but you know took the title now I gotta defend it this year you wanna come to India <laughs> fuck yeah man that's been Dude. one of my dreams man I, I need to eat Indian food in India I need to see the agoris I need to see the Ganges. I, I need to watch a Bollywood film that is 14 hours long. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, I love fucking Indian culture, bro. Devdas, are you fucking kidding me? It's one of the oh, best man. movies. The stereotypes, the stereotypes we deal with in India are insane. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm fascinated by, um, you know, how the, the wealthy, affluent just navigate it's just got such a swag in india you know it's like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the way they talk to like servers what is this i love it i love indian culture bro ever ever since fucking college yeah i even made a bollywood like satire dances and everything man yeah. i'd like to see that <laughs> you will. It's beautiful. It's respectful, you know, because it it, it really um, it, it it's respectful and comedic at the same time, but not. And sometimes it can be malicious, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know. But I think you know, and fucking what's his face? Uh, Russell Peters. He's fucking pretty big, eh? Yeah. He's from he's from here. He's from Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I want to ask you a question. How yeah. cool is it? Because, like, you're Indian. Yeah. And you you learn Kali, and then yeah. there's this, like, real, there's another layer of connection to Kali that non-Indians don't get to have. Yeah. I'm so jealous, man. Like, when you type in Kali on Google, it's like, there's no fucking sticks. It's the fucking multi-handed or, or blue person. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah cool it's so cool i don't have that for me to go back to for me to actually go back and get a full history lesson uh was so i trained with you You got the full history lesson i got a degree of it degree of it 
I was just talking about cold factor, but it, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I trained with Duan Kanishka, um, mm-hmm. as you know, and I have trained with uh, GT as well, uh, Grand Duan. Not throughout, like just a couple of times, uh, yeah. sporadically. My primary teacher has always been Duan Kanishka because also because of the the primary system that I train in, which is still Jeet Kune. Um, so when I started my exploration into Kali, specifically Tikiti Tertia, uh, first thing that I heard was Kali. Wait, what? Like, there's a martial art in the name of a god? What do you say? And to draw parallels from that, because this is a god that multi-handed is the goddess of destruction. The goddess with blades, she cuts heads. And next thing you know, you've got Kali. Just now, when I I did do a lot of digging because I wanted I wanted to figure some of these things out. Because obviously you've got this whole you have the Sri Vijaya Empire story, you've got the Majapahit Empire story, and everything. The Sri Vijaya Empire is probably the closest relation to India because the Hindu religion. So Sri Vijaya was a Hindu kingdom predominantly. So from that aspect, the gods and goddesses that are there in the Hindu pantheon become uh, connected to that uh, community. But if I were to, honestly, if I were to go to the Philippines and do a full exploration and everything, I'm not sure what I would find. Yeah. Because you have a lot of Indian legends. You also have the legend of Bodhidharma, which is not entirely incorrect, but it's not entirely true either. He didn't give martial arts to the Shaolin Temple. Martial arts existed in China long before he showed up. But he was a soldier. So you've got so many myths and legends all over the place. Specifically when it comes to martial arts and like you're, like what you're, like what you're saying, right? There are so many myths and legends when it comes to the tactical community. This will work. This will not work. This recoil. This grip. That... No. <laughs> I think the the question really becomes: How do you break that? <clears throat> how do you break that bias or that whole full cycle of my art's better than yours? My history is better than yours. My my information is more accurate than yours. I learned from the source. Right. So I'm a better fighter than you are. And okay, keeping that aside, while that, I think, I think you've done a great job with Funko Tactical and with Aperture to do that, to bring them all into the same forum. How do you break the primal human tendency of, I am better than you are? I I don't, I don't think I actually, I don't think I actually do that at all. I highlight it and I go, this is what you guys are doing right now. Can we stick to the topic? So that's all. Mm-hmm. So I, I cannot, and, and even me, bro, like I have to be very, very mindful, especially now as I, um, you know, as I approach this next phase of, of my studying martial arts and uh, Kali specifically is for me to always go, Paulo, you fucking suck. Like, you don't know shit. If you really want to know this, you would fight it against that guy. Uh, if you really wanted to, to claim anything, uh, you would do this, you would do that. And sometimes I speak with a kind of confidence that 
I'm uncomfortable with because this is how I normally speak, right? Yeah. But at the heart of this projection of confidence is still a deep insecurity about how good I think I am. And this is all theoretical until a moment arises. And even then, right? Like if four dudes tried to attack me and they all had machetes and all I had was this. And if I came out of there unscathed, yeah. And four of them dead. It still doesn't prove shit about anything about what I can do in the next time it happens. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. But, you know, and that's why it kind of makes me laugh when... I, this is a comment that I see a lot. Whenever there's a discussion online through a video about a blade. is some dickhead who made poor life choices and who grew up in a bad neighborhood and who decided to become an instructor We'll type in this. How many knife fights have you been in? Yeah, they do that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, I do not want to discount the value of experience mm-hmm. for sure. But what I learned in the firearms world, what I learned from soldiers and cops who have been through firefights, is that more often, the greatest lesson that come out of those experiences are a validation of what not to do. Right? Yeah. I shouldn't have done this. That's what typically comes out of those experiences. Right? Um, because these guys, the experience itself humbles them. Mm-hmm. The experience itself. So those who don't have that experience may speak with a kind of confidence that I was speaking of that I have to always keep in check because I, I don't have that experience. But the other thing that I learned, and I, I, you know, I spent some time interviewing people about this, is that those with experience cannot pass on the value of those experiences to anybody. They, yeah, they you can. With those specific experiences, no. You can't do that. You, you cannot pass on the value of those experiences. You can pass on some, some lessons, some what not to do, maybe a checklist here and there, but people who have been in a gunfight, what they have, they cannot pass on to somebody who has never been in a gunfight. That's just it. But people like to think that they learn through like some sort of like osmosis process when their instructor is a Delta Naval SEAL door gunner. I've been in 15 knife fights. They think, well, well, that's going to be me then, right? Like I'm, I'm at the receiving end of all that information, not realizing that, you know, these particles that are shaped like this, they're trying to reach you but you've got these grids that are squares and that circle is not fitting in it. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, and so if that were the case, then, you know, the best firearms instructors would be gangbangers in LA. They have clearly the most gunfighting experience, right? Like the best knife instructors clearly would be um, just fucking, you know, 19 year old thugs in whatever, and in, in, in a place where knife is the weapon of choice for aggravated assaults and robberies. Those are not the best instructors for those things. In fact, I mean, who teaches an astronaut to be an astronaut? From my understanding, not other astronauts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this just doesn't work that way. You yeah. know? There's so many specialized uh, you know, elements and, and departments and realms and factions and schools of thought in to becoming an astronaut 
that a, an astronaut can actually teach another astronaut to be an astronaut. You know, they can share, they can have experiences, you know, but it's, 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 it's the instructor. It's somebody who spent their time thinking, really analyzing this one thing. They pass on that one thing and then that student moves on to the next thing. So the students are yeah. to analyze. Yeah. So it's like, there's so much wrong with like, um, how martial arts relationships end up unfolding. And that's primarily because of how it's entered into that whole, I am a child. You're this great master, and just like in real life, right? Mm-hmm. When I grew up, I began to question the things that my father said, and I started to push a little bit how strong this monolith of a man was. Mm-hmm. Little by little, right? We have our little rebellions. We talk back a little bit, you know. When we, yeah. we, we take our time when they call us, you know. Like this is like little little things we do as as boys growing up with fathers that is reflective in um, martial arts training. The thing is, you know, um, my father, rest in peace, we have a real fucking bond. Mm-hmm. Like, father, son, we're always gonna be that. So despite the greatest arguments and despite the biggest clashes, we're still going to maintain father, son. Right. Not the case, not the case with them. Um, martial arts and so you see when students reach a level of proficiency and influence they get kicked out or they leave yeah and if that was a good father so the JKD community yeah. yeah hey let me ask you a question about jkd yeah it, and, and i asked this before is is dan Inasanta responsible for the state of jkd in other words is he to blame I don't, the think state so. I don't think so. Tell me. Tell me why. Um, so, First of all, are you happy with the state of JKD? Am I happy with the state of JKD? Um, I'm not happy with the infighting. I think it's absolutely stupid. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, somewhere down the line, uh, this thing that could have been one of the biggest movements in terms of martial exploration because i also don't believe that jkd could be a system except i have to call it that because certain aspects of it are systemized there are like the original the original blueprint that ted wong promoted or even uh, the chinatown jkd group that promote uh, promotes there's a logic behind it. There's a preservation of art behind it. I get that. Certain aspects of it from a training perspective are really, really good. Um, and that's where I feel, okay, you probably took the base. You completely took out the base of it. That's my issue with the concepts group. But my issue with the originals group is you never evolved. Yeah. You never realized, you never figured out how to, how to deal with a grappler. It is not easy. It is yeah. not easy to knock out a wrestler who's charging at you because those fuckers close in. Yeah. <laughs> and you can say that I will sprawl and punch and knee all you want. It's anyone's game. Yeah. That's the wrestler's game. Let's mm-hmm. be real. <laughs> let's be, let's the rest, be absolutely The wrestler will win that exchange. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I think that, okay, I kind of liked the route that Dan Masanto took, which was an exploration of every art possible. Yeah. 
which is why and i think i most connected with paul wunak's material because i was just like this is gold um and the others in the concept group as well what my issue became over there was when you talk about attributes mm-hmm. and you're talking about an art, you're talking about something that was given by a man who was very who's revered for his attributes we don't know whether he fought that's not an argument i'm going to get into yeah fact remains that some of the greatest fighters of that time did train with him now he's not alive anymore we don't get to see it we right. can only use let's say retrospective speculation as opposed to evidence evidence is that okay we have a sparring clip of his and we have clips of him training others and that man built something or created something which at that time was revolutionary yes would that have worked right now would he have sat down and come up with would he have wanted to train wrestling in judo evidence suggests that he would have yeah evidence suggests that he would have he would have turned the whole thing on its head so i think the entire community as a whole with the infighting saying we are better than you because we evolved or we are better than you because we have the source material mm-hmm. is just fucking stupid what i like about dan and asanto and the reason why i don't blame him is because i don't think he ever got into that he's just like i'm doing my own thing guys well that's the thing that's the thing whenever we talk about dan and asanto he's forever tied to being bruce lee's number one student mm-hmm. so the fact that he never got into it Yeah. Okay, I'm not speaking for myself. Oh no, go for it. Okay? But if he's the firstborn son mm-hmm. and the father dies, it's kind of his job to get into it. But he never got into it. Okay, to say so, he allowed it to mm-hmm. become this thing instead of saying, "Boom." Now, again, just playing devil's advocate. This is mm-hmm. not really my opinion, but an opinion is that if he is going to reap the benefits of being Bruce Lee's number one student, mm-hmm. the least he could have done was put in some work to ensure that the community is a little bit more stable, that there was unity and brotherhood in a direction. But he didn't. Okay. He just did his own thing. To play, I won't say devil's advocate because typically I stay away from this, and I agree with that. I actually do agree with that one. He should have. but then the other side of my brain goes well he did say this he did say that the original material is junfan gung fu it's systemized this is what has been taught my attributes and my body works differently i will have jeet kundo is a concept from the get go because if you look at the list of things absorb what is useful reject what is useless add what add what is specifically your own it doesn't it becomes what is specifically yours eric paulson does not move the same way eric paulson knows the original material paul right. wunak does not move the same way knows the original material jerry potit the original let's look at the original students dan anderson uh, jerry potit bob bremer tim tackett to a degree uh ted wong out of all of these everyone looked at ted wong and went finally if you look at all the ted wong groups closest representation of bruce lee's movement the closest representation 
of Bruce Lee's movement. Here's my here's my submission to that. You move like him. Your techniques are great. Your movement is great. I'm not sure if you guys have actually gotten into it with someone. Right. Whereas with Dan Masanto, I can say that because all of his students got into it. And, and, the, and the thing is also, again, these are not necessarily my opinions. It's also that Dan is his own person. Exactly. He's also not necessarily um, obligated to do anything. And it's arguable that what he's actually trying to do, instead of using his words, is just he's leading by example. I am doing JKD. And he's, he's not saying this is how you do JKD. He's just doing JKD, and exactly. I think that's a that's a. I think that's a great. I think that's the perfect example of where the martial arts community fails. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on board because this is the discussion that really, really interests me as to where is it that where does this whole thing of because you'll have a lot of masters as well who don't say shit but their students are going to go crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, really at the heart of it is that martial arts is a means to earn a living. Mm -hmm. So if we examine it from that front um, of it being a business, mm -hmm. the, like, what is the purpose of a business, right? It's, it's to grow. You want to grow yeah. this business, right? Yeah. Um, and in doing so, I mean, how much is morality, how much is ethics really in play more than legalities, for example, you know, is it illegal for me to say, <laughs> to make these claims? No, it's not illegal. So that's more important than it being ethical. Mm -hmm. So, okay, sure. Yeah, we can levitate. Yeah, we can do no touch. And at the heart of this is really this complex, um, Fuck, it's an interdependency when really it should be separate, but that's hard. It's an interdependency between uh, um, financial business transactions and emotional transactions. We know business and pleasure don't mix. Like we know don't loan family members money because you never, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> we just know these things. We don't mix them. <laughs> there are very, very few examples relative to the whole of business and pleasure really, really working out. Mm -hmm. But that's all martial arts is. That's the entirety of martial arts is this futile attempt to make business and pleasure work together. And so the most successful ones pick one or the other. Mm -hmm. They really have a very successful martial arts business or they have a really close circle of friends that train with one another. Mm -hmm. But everyone's trying to operate in this fucked up no man's land because they think they can make it work. And I'm like, ah, you know, the happiest I've seen are the fucking super wealthy business owners in martial arts and the ones who don't give a fuck whether or not they make money out of it because they have this great satisfaction with this close circle of friends and they can, they can feel good about that. It's this fucking massive middle ground everyone's trying to operate in that is like, <laughs> what the fuck are you guys doing? You know, find better ways to do it, you know, lean on one side more than the other. And the happiest martial arts instructors I've ever found were the ones who lean more closely to the, this is my passion. This is my art. I love it. I have a small group. They still pay me a little bit, but I also have a full-time job. 
so that I don't corrupt the nature of, of my relationship with these people who pay me a little bit by asking yeah. for more, by tricking them into the next level of study and the next level of study and giving me more money. So people who have a, a stable financial source of you know, income and love martial arts so much that they want to perpetuate it, those are the happiest people I've ever met. Nurses who have study groups in Cali, you know what I mean? Accountants who teach on weekends. Like those guys got it figured out. Those guys got it figured out. But the compulsion to go, oh, I love this so much. Maybe I don't need my accounting job. Is so like, so hard to resist. And that's the path to unhappiness and bankruptcy and dissolving of passion and loss of enthusiasm, unethical choices, and falling out. That's what causes it. I solve your problems. All right, my second last question. Yes, sir. What are you going to say to someone who, because I'm pretty sure you have started getting a lot of questions. How do I train this? What do I do? Who do I train with? So I'm going to ask you a very simple, very general question. What are you going to tell someone who's just Okay, hasn't made the decision yet, but is about to decide to get into this world of training, not teaching, training. Yep. What would you say to them? What is the rite of passage going to be? Oh, shit. Um, oh, it's such a, that's such a multi-layered question that is pretending to be simple. <laughs> it's not a simple question right um if that inquiry comes from a random facebook message versus somebody asking me here in person in front of me there will be almost two completely different answers right if they're here in front of me mm-hmm. if they're my neighbor i'll say whichever one is the closest to you mm-hmm. right taekwondo academy is the closest yeah man do taekwondo because I know you're not going to drive an hour and a half every Tuesdays and Thursdays downtown to take a Muay Thai class. Um, if, I, if, if an inquiry comes to me online and it's generic and you're like, I want to get into martial arts, I'll be like, okay, why? Oh, I want to defend myself. I'm like, okay, cool. That's pretty easy, right? Take Muay Thai or boxing and then take wrestling or jujitsu. That's it. And then don't be an idiot. You know, like... Focus on your intention. If your intention is you want to defend your family, maybe you wouldn't work so much on omoplatas and butterfly guards when you're, you know, doing jiu-jitsu. Maybe focus on something else. Maybe focus on setting up your arm bar, setting up your, the, the infinite ways to set up a rear naked choke, like high probability. Like that's what most UFC fights are finished in, in terms of submission, right? Rear naked choke. Um, arm bar and even guillotine still has a very high percentage of finishes in the UFC. So focus on those. Mm-hmm. That's what I would tell them. Focus on those arts. Muay Thai, yeah. boxing, mm-hmm. wrestling, and jiu-jitsu. And then there's, there's, there's adequate replacements, you know, like instead of Muay Thai, you can take kickboxing or even savat. Instead of jiu-jitsu, you can take judo. It's really just any art that requires energy. Like right. an, an honest exchange of energy, which Kali does not have. But there are circles of people that do that. There mm-hmm. are pockets of instructors who do that. 
But Kali, FMA, does not do that. It is not part of the inherent genetic makeup of this art to want to like smash another human being, right? Because we're dealing with this stuff. But that's long gone, dude. We can find ways. We can find ways to do it. And that's kind of what I'm pushing. I want FMA to have the prestige and the acceptance of these hard, honest parts and not be, you know, fucking, even Krav Maga, like, holy shit, what a public relations nightmare that's become, you know? Like, when you mention Krav Maga, people either go, holy shit, you take Krav, or like, yeah. Krav Maga, groin kickers on pads, give me a break. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's got a public relations thing to it that it's like, I just don't want FMA to have that. We got enough problems, man. We got enough problems in FMA. I don't need, I, I don't want it to be like so soft. Um, but I also love the artistic side of it. Fuck, what a beautiful, beautiful canvas uh, and palette of colors to just paint. Like, and I swear, I gotta be like, I gotta be gay a little bit because I look at some dude's move and I'm like. You are a gorgeous human being. I just like... I know what you mean. My God, take your shirt off, bro. <laughs> Let me it's see like those abs while well, you do sabayan, yeah. homie, because I am just in love with your movement. And so, yeah, duality. Yeah. Right. That was your second last question. That was my second last question. My last question. <laughs> Where can these people reach out to you? And Grandmaster Pogi. Yeah. Where can people, what? Where can people reach out to you? And where can people reach out to Grandmaster Pogi? Oh, man. So on Instagram, just gotta just look us up, man. On Instagram, you gotta look up Grandmaster Pogi. He's still trying to figure out how the whole social media thing works. So uh-huh. sometimes he'll say some like, this blatantly racist shit, <laughs> which is like pretty much all Filipinos, but nobody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> man, Filipino, honestly, I mean, come on. <laughs> Indians are racist. Greeks are super racist. Filipinos are racist. Everyone's racist. Everyone's racist. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, you can, you can look up Funker Tactical, F-U-N-K-E-R, Tactical, mm-hmm. and Aperture Fight Focus. And you might have to, I just realized Aperture is kind of a hard thing to spell. It's not really phonetic. I'm going to leave it on the show notes. Yeah. Aperture? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. But really, yeah, that's it. Facebook, Aperture Fight Focused, and Funker Tactical. And GN underscore Funker Tactical on Instagram. Fuck all those other ones. Follow my journey into ruining my reputation. <laughs> oh, man. It's true. Man. It's true. Dude, thanks a ton for doing this. Hey, Adar, my pleasure, bro. Thank you for asking. Anytime. This was an amazing conversation. I appreciate it.